Hey there, before we get started, if you have not followed me yet on TikTok, what are you doing? It's at Heather Parody, P-A-R-A-D-Y. And you may be saying, well, Heather, I don't even have a TikTok. Well, there's your first problem. Go ahead and download the app, follow your girl, and I'll see you over there. They take everything from you. When you see an artist that is not consumed, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't trust in that much. You know, to me, it's not to be a romantic or to be art. If it's done the proper way, consume you. That's what, it takes everything from you. I've always felt immensely. I was born with several palsy. I have always felt small. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Artists need deadlines. That comes from today's guest, Federico Somi. And if this is your first time listening, what's up? My name's Heather Parody. I am your host. I love highlighting people who have built something from the ground up. And Federico is an incredibly successful New York artist whose work has been featured in the Smithsonian National Portrait Gallery, tons and tons of museums and expeditions. And get this, his work was featured in Times Square in New York. I'm going to link up a video so you guys can see this beautiful work. Federico's won tons of awards. He teaches at Yale School of Art. But what I find fascinating is he came over from Italy at the age of 25 years old with what he said, no education, college was not an option, and he was dedicated to becoming a successful artist. He had no connections, no training, and what he's been able to create over the past several years through his dedication, hard work, and patience is just super inspiring. Today, I asked him how he knows when a project is done, how we can balance ambition and also being in the moment, and how we can trust our instincts with unconventional ideas. Make sure you check out his website. It is linked in the show notes. FedericoSolmi.com. And hey, if you have a friend who is an artist and might feel a bit unconventional in their approach, maybe struggles with patience and wondering if they're ever going to make it and their work is going to pay off, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with them. I appreciate you for helping us share these unconventional stories and making an impact in other people's lives. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and get into this. Developing patience as an artist with Federico Solmi. You know, I really recognize myself as uh, an unconventional uh, leader. All my career speak about that. I'm probably one of the few self-educated artists that starts from uh, zero training, no no university, uh, I've never been to art school. You know, I end up teaching in one of the most prestigious you know, universities, which is Yale School of Art. Yeah, my journey started uh, in Italy. I moved to the United States in 1999. I was 25, I guess, <laughs> 26. So I came, you know, to New York to realize my dreams. My family, they were very beautiful and lovely parents, but there was zero interest into, into education and art. So they were shopkeeper. For me, like I was considered the intellectual of the family and I have a high school degree. So college was not an option. I decided to move to the United States to reinvent a life. And when I came here, I would say it took me like a good five years to understand what was going on in the art because, uh, you know, New York is a very 
very tough place. You know, everybody want to break through and me quite a bit to enter into it. And step by step, I start to exhibit in, uh, you know, no profit space, small gallery. And, uh, you know, each year, I, you know, I made, uh, you know, solid progress. Nothing was easy for sure. And then I started to exhibit in the big gallery in New York and uh, Los Angeles. Like, and simultaneously, I had a parallel career in Europe. And also, you know, I was showing in Asia, you know, a very active uh, life. This was uh, more or less uh, my journey. So I learned each step of the way. You know, I have uh, no mentor. I have uh, no family here. Uh, I just came here to very hard and build my dream. And, uh, you know, uh, thankfully, when I started to exhibit, I had a very good support uh, right away. Uh, I was able to quit my temporary job, dedicate my past 15, 17 years of my life, just full-time artist. Like, you know, before the virus, I had a studio with more or less 10 people of staff. And uh, we were preparing a project for... Uh, mainly, you know, museum and uh, public spaces, uh, which um, was was kind of like another dream came true because uh, my work could be very tough and contradictory, and uh, you know, people can also get overwhelmed or or worry about the theme that I, that I deal with. But you know, I was able to uh, you know do this big project in Times Square in July 2019, you know, like major, major exhibition. And at the moment, I had a piece at the National Portrait Gallery at the Smithsonian, which unfortunately, like, is shut down for the moment. This year, I was, uh, I was planning to do four solo museum exhibits in the United States. Very important exhibition, like, you know, and I came here with nothing, nothing. <laughs> what do you think is the difference between, you know, artists, creatives, who set out in this path and, you know, they get coined the term, the starving artist, and they don't really ever quote, make it to what they, they want to accomplish. What is the difference between those artists and those who actually make it in the industry? For me, nothing came easy. Like, you know, and still today, I feel I am as devoted as uh, when I first started. You know, some people, they make me laugh when I, when I told them, Federico, you're a very successful artist. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it this way. Like, I don't see it this way either. I see it that for sure, in order to make it professionally and to break into, into the art world, you have to understand also the rule of the business, you know? And there are some rules, I believe. Like, you know, it's not necessarily a rule because in my work, I completely break any rule as possible, to be honest. You know, you have to be aware of uh, what's happening in New York. There is a lot of artists that they wanted to be artists and they believe to be very pure, like I believe I am, but they don't show any interest into the dynamic of the art business, which, we, which you know, is, is important. Like, you know, uh, for me, probably the, one of the few examples of, of an artist that breaks through with my own rule uh, without compromising, creating something hybrid, like combining video with painting, traditional drawing with gaming technology, motion capture with performing actor, brought it into a drawing animated sequence. You have to have a strategy too, you know, because uh, I believe that uh, in all of the field, leaders have a strategy. They think unconventionally, but then they have to break through in order to, you know, succeed in their industry. For example, like, you know, in 2009, I was working in some really problematic videos, like, you know, 
At that time, I was I was having a big issue in Italy with the police. Took all an entire exhibition because they thought that my work was extremely provocative and blasphemous. And in 2009, in the moment of a panic for me, which actually was the year that my first son was born, in the United States with the same piece, I was awarded with the Guggenheim Fellowship in New York, which is one of the most prestigious award that you can, and probably I'm one of the few self-educated artists that reach something like this in academia, which included over a hundred Nobel Prize graduates. I don't know, like I always been myself and always uh, do some very radical work, but for some reason, probably because people needed to have somebody that will, will be so straightforward or raw that I always find a good support, to be honest. Like, you know, and also, of course, a lot of resistance too, you know, because my kind of work, you either love it to death or you, you dislike it. My personality, my strength and uh, my devotion to my work has really helped me to convince many people. Like when I was in a complete darkness, when nobody would ever call me, I always felt that, you know, I could work harder than anybody. Like, you know, I remember that. One of my strengths was that uh, I don't need as much sleep as any other, you know, a lot of other people. And my determination to compensate a gap, you have to think about it. I came to New York at 25 years old when all of my generation was graduating from Columbia University, Yale University. And, you know, the reality is I was a son of a butcher. You know, my father was a butcher, like, you know, where buying a book was kind of like uh, uh, was wasting time. Like this desire of reaching something that was the opposite of my background it pushed me still today to to work uh, very hard, you know? And that's, I think, like, I think it's uh, a common path for many of these unconventional leaders. Probably someone that they felt that they have to compensate or they were, they didn't have the, the fortune of having, you know, whatever they desired at the time. And then they pushed it so hard to, you know, to reach their, their goal, to reach their dream. Like, you know, and, and then when success comes, doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Like, you know, I mean, my case is not about uh, greed or about, it's about create projects, you know, about to, you know, deliver a message. As artists, you know, we are aware, you know, that we have limited time. You know, I mean, life uh, ends one day. So we try to put uh, as much, you know, work out there that, that contain meanings, you know. I tend to analyze since my early days what Barbie society, what I think I consider unjust. I like to attack mainstream political leader that they're doing something. Uh, I'm, I'm really into America history today. Uh, I'm really into the problem of uh, Western, Europe, Western war coming to America, invade the native land. So uh, I'm really into uh, showing the you know the the creation of fake myths in history, uh, transforming, for example, like Christopher Columbus from a hero to a rascal. This kind of like uh, you know trying to investigate the truth in history, tell what other people cannot say in their profession because an artist is technically is free to express himself, like you know. That's, that's what I've been involved, like, you know, and believe it or not, there is a lot of, like, people that they really get into it. As more as American society become more diverse and the minority have, 
the importance that they deserve. They don't like American history, how it's written. They don't like it. They don't like to see, like I grew up, uh, the people that they are coming from Caribbean descendants to see a Columbus days, you know. And I, I, I'm going, you know, and they don't like to hear all of the crap about George Washington and uh, the founding father, like, you know. So by analyzing, you know, history uh, and trying to create fantastical, surreal, satirical story that, you know, with the hope that people are engaging and they go to find their own truth. So the one of the taglines of the show is step up, use your voice and make an impact in the world. And sometimes using your voice and making the kind of impact that you want to make, there is controversy in that where you're going to make, you know, just like you mentioned earlier, just as many fans and enemies in the same time. And you said something so powerful. You said that you were able to succeed, you know, do your work without compromise. And I was wondering if there was ever a time where you were tempted to compromise your message in order to, quote, make it. Um, how did you work through that? Well, I think, like, you know, great artists, they're able to to avoid some temptation that could be a market temptation, that could be a dealer that uh, tell you, oh, you should do five of these, you should do ten of these, you know. I don't know. I, I always consider myself, like, you know, very straightforward and and very strong in, in that sense because I always thought that when I try to make a quick sell or I try to make something sellable, it's never worth it because even the most difficult project, if contained, quality, innovative, I always sell it. Like, you know, so to me, there is no point to... One of the closest things that I would call it like a compromise was when I did this, you know, one of the most important projects of my career, this event in Times Square, we had chance censorship problem as usual, like, you know, because I always have uh, people don't see it, but uh, there is a strong censorship in the United States. I, I was kind of frustrated that my project, despite they asked me to, to you know, to create a project for Times Square, was kind of like uh, going nowhere because there were some censorship issues. And in that case, it happened that I had to do a compromise in a way that, you know, it was a big compromise that somehow my character of my video, they're so, for some people, so scary, so provocative that uh, they were not allowed to be shown in Times Square. And I said, my God, I mean, if I cannot show one of my character, all of my character, my work could be meaningless, you know, because the character is a story. But then I was able to be honest to create a sort of like a, a fantastic, uh, fantastical interpretation of consumeristic America with just using sign, neon sign, and Ferris wheel that at the end it turned out to be perfect. And I think a good artist is able to, to navigate through this water. An okay artist failed because. Always, like, you know, since the Renaissance, there was always, like, issue with uh, uh, either a, a customer, someone that commit, uh, do a commission for an artist. There is always issue, like, you know, find a way to keep his integrity, stay super strong. For example, I never like to do commission. Very rarely accept work on commission. I hate it because when you give, like, you know, here the money and do this and do that, I feel it's not, uh, you know, it's not rewarding enough to me. But, for example, the few times I accept commission, I took it so seriously, even if I have the money in advance, because um, when you have a commission, it's already a compromise, because they tell you, hey, I would like to do this work you do by, yes, like, you know, a great artist, I think, is able to navigate through this. But for me, like, you know, which I believe 
to have a work ethic is still important and I think is the key of my success, you know, I'm very careful for these things, you know. So for me, I look at my career as a whole, even if it's still building. I never, say, I never think how much money I make this year or next year. To me, some of the most important things are also the work that I've left in the storage. I don't even want to sell a project, like, you know. So I like to keep uh, work for me for exhibition for the future, like, you know, because if I do a good job, in 10 years will worth more. In 20 years will worth more. So I don't have this rush of when I hear artists have a waiting list. I don't want a waiting list. I don't want to feel a pressure of like somebody that is ready for a check. No, I hate that, you know. So I'm very unconventional, actually, you know. When I tell to people that to me, one of the most important things is my soldiers, people sometimes laugh in my face, but it is. I tell you why, because the work that uh, in 2005, which by the way, I just have a request today for a work in 2005, that will sell a small drawing for, two, for $500 and nobody will buy it, of course. Now, it work 10 times, you know, and people buy it. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I desperately need money, nobody was there. So that's why I'm saying to artists, even when I'm, when I'm teaching, that uh, don't worry if you don't sell the exhibition. No worry. Just keep going. If you're doing a good job, you will be happy one day you didn't sell 10 paintings because you'll, you'll have them available and you have a, a waiting list for you to have all the work. Now, that takes a lot of patience. Can you speak to developing patience as all well as an artist? Take a lot of patience also to listen to a boss at the factory and tell you what to do and be in an assembly line. And I did that so too, you know. I am extremely impatient. I'm a volcano of idea, volcano of energy. All of my work, more or less, need to be storyboarded, need to be written like a movie. Very complex. But for some reason, like, you know, in life, I'm very impatient. But I'm able to stick I'm able to stick with uh, with things, you know. Again, like, you know, I live in the dream, like, you know, so, and I remember how hard it is to to do what I did. I feel very fortunate, like, you know, but I, I don't let the pressure go, for sure, like, you know, that's not, that's not my style. A great art has always to be super committed. Uh, if you think about the last decade of Picasso, was the decade in which he produced the most amount of number of work in his whole life, you know, and the guy, you know, he was, filthy rich you know so it was the motivation that uh, he always had i think uh, made a huge difference i think like you know another things that i do i try to surround surround myself always with uh, very smart people often smarter than me and better than me which help a lot I try to be engaged you know with uh, the younger generation like you know of course and uh, it take everything from you when you see an artist that is not consumed you shouldn't you know you shouldn't trust in that much you know to me it's not to be a romantic or to be art if it's done the proper way consume you that's what, it takes everything from you and this is not i'm completely i don't want to be romantic but as you know business leader in other field you know there is nothing else pretty much like you know they're really like you know family of course is important of course there's not much else you know i just take everything this morning i woke up at 3 a.m like you know i didn't want to wake up at 3 a.m i hate it it was today i had a you know it was a difficult day you know but i couldn't stop thinking about something that was bothering me like you know so I like I like to have this uh, intense uh, visceral uh, relation with my work. Absolutely. When do you know a project is done, and letting go of maybe 
Well, that's that's a fantastic that's a fantastic question. Like you know, I'm telling you, artists need deadlines. They are constantly work with impossible deadline. That really helped me to be like uh, super focused. Like you know, because in a moment like this. For example, the past week, even if I'm working a lot and I'm still working remotely with a few assistants, I start to miss the studio. Like, you know, I, I said, this is a bad situation. For example, I have all of these museum exhibition coming up and this museum director, they don't know what to do now. You know, I have, I have a big show opening in Chicago on September 10th. The week after, uh, there was a big show at the Museum of Tucson, Arizona. These were major show with hundreds of pieces, uh, because they're sort of like retrospective, you know, especially one. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's going to happen in September. So I had to say, I, I'm very, I'm suffering a bit because I would like to do, you know, work in some drawings. But at the same time, if suddenly they confirm this exhibition in September, I can work with one person at the studio. We can go back in 10 people at the studio. It's a very complicated, uh, you know, in part, I'm enjoying to be able to regain intimacy with uh, we stay at home, try to have a slower pace life. Uh, there is a lot of uncertainty in there. You know, people don't know how to react, especially in museum, like very much. All of my exhibitions this year were happening. But, you know, there's people that are sick. I can't complain, you know, so I'm not sick. And everything is, thanks God, we have enough money to keep hiring a few people. So I can't complain. Yeah. You, you mentioned ambition earlier, and uh, all of our listeners can relate to that. We're all very ambitious well, how do we balance ambition and also to uh, being patient and being in the moment? I can speak for myself. Like, you know, like, again, like, you know, I, I, I don't uh, I don't want to judge anybody. Like, you know, to me, for example, one of the things that I think really helped me to keep a balance, you know, because you have to think about it, that, you know, success is one thing and keep a balance and to keep a life and integrity. So for me, having a family, believe it or not, having a wife and two kids, helped me tremendously for my stability. You know, a lot of people in the art, they think that, you know, to make a family, you you waste your career. Like, you know, it's the only place in which I can, uh, you know, recharge my battery. Like, I would, I think I would be very unhappy to just be surrounded by, by my demons, like, you know, the, of art demons. And I would never have succeeded like uh, I did without my family because uh, artists can lose balance very quickly. May maybe in business... You can stay more, uh, I don't know, more focused because uh, to think that, you know, art is a very unconventional uh, field, unconventional business, you know. So it's not that launching like a company and going to business, you know. You just work 10 years and maybe nobody ever ring the phone and call you. Like, you know, that's, that's what it is. Like, you know, so yeah, it was, uh, I feel very lucky that I have a balance still today. Like, you know, and to be honest, very easy to to lose the balance very, very easy because, you know, I tell you another thing that happen very often in art. Some of the best work that uh, today, I again, I have, uh, you know, I have people, they say that they are fantastic. When I did it in, you know, five years ago, seven years ago, people don't give a shit at the time because I don't know if technologically they were too advanced, the theme, they were too provocative. Maybe I didn't have enough uh, financial support by by certain kind of collector. I remember thinking that these were, some, for me, some of the best work, but took three or four years to get into the heart of people, into gallery, into collectors. That's something that is very unique in the art. You know, again, 
after I hang up the phone, I have to send a video that I did 15 years ago, which I thought was one of the, and for the first time, a New York curator wanted very badly. I tell you what's happening in this video. So I was a younger, I was a, a younger artist that uh, was in New York. I was not very happy about the art system. And in this video, is myself, I use an alter ego, is myself as a King Kong, you know, the, the big monkey from 1933. It goes to take the Guggenheim Museum in his hand. He carry around and go in Chelsea and smash Gagosian Gallery, the biggest gallery in the world. So when I did it, people thought I was nuts. Like, you know, but then four years later, the Guggenheim Museum awarded me with the Guggenheim Fellowship. But no matter what, this video was sold out, but no, never happened that a New York curator expressed any interest. Finally, after we finished this, and now they say, Federico, I think King Kong in the Underworld is one of the best work ever. Sure, 15 years later, like, you know, 15 years later. It's crazy. But at the same time, I have to say, I had many collectors that acquired the work, uh, even at the time. I had support. But was the support that was not the establishment, was, uh, you know, collector, you know, by the intellectual, maybe so that was despicable. It was uh, too raw. It was too vulgar. But now, man, they love it. (laughs) They love it. Yeah, it's it's encouraging to hear, and I'm so grateful that you that you shared all of that because we can get really discouraged in our leadership journey, whether it's art or our business or whatever it may be, when we don't get immediate results. To hear that this is the reality of succeeding, you know what I mean? It's really comforting. Well, I'm not uh, a businessman. I don't consider myself a businessman, even if I deal with you know business too. But my suggestion is that when you go in an unconventional path. You have to listen to your guts and you have to have the courage of going straight forward without listening to people that they tell you, oh, you should do this, you should do that, you should do that. Because if your idea is unconventional, is ahead of time, nobody will understand that. Absolutely. For example, you know, now the cult object in my work is is this hybrid work that is called video paint. It's basically like a painting which inside I insert like a LCD screen, and you have a painting that is partly painted and a video animation is hand-painted. So it's a, a bizarre combination. I remember like it was yesterday, and I swear on my children like that at that time, I don't want to do any name because my strongest gallery in the United States told me I was so excited like, to create something so unconventional, like, you know, I, because I thought art was so, it's about unicity, you know? You have to create something nobody is able to create. So she, I remember she told me, Federico, bad idea, bad idea to combine painting with video. And I said, holy crap, I can't believe it. And I stick to myself. I didn't give a shit. And at the time was my best-selling gallery. She stopped showing my work. Three, four years passed. Actually, more than three, four years. Five, six years passed. I stopped working with her. She contacted me. She said, Federico, I have a client for a video painting. I said, I'm sorry. You have to go through my LA gallery. Still today, what people want from me, most of the case, is video painting. I mean, listen, you, you have, if you don't feel you have the courage, don't do it. But if you feel that your gut and you have, you have the strength, you have to have the strength too. And the isolation, you have to, you can be the most isolated man in the world or, or you know, entrepreneur in the world, you know. But if you think that 
your idea is brilliant, it takes time to understand a brilliant idea. You know, it doesn't take two weeks. You have to be prepared to hold on quite a bit. So powerful. I have one final question for you. Uh, but before then, I just want to thank you. I know you're you're incredibly busy. And be to no, I'm okay. With us means the world. Where can people connect with you online? You know, I have an Instagram account for sure. Like, you know, people, you know, I have a website that... Uh, you know, people can shoot me an email and, you know, I'm very active at the moment in Instagram. Like, of course, I always get inquired, you know, I have any kind of inquiry through my website, you know, FedericoSolmi.com. All of that will be linked in the show notes. Uh, very last question. You talked about at the very beginning, this story of this young man, 25 years old, leaving Italy, leaving his family and coming to New York. And I just was wondering if you were to go back to that young man, he had no idea what was about to happen to his life and the, the adventure that you were going to be on and that you would be teaching in schools one day. And if you were to go and sit with him for a moment and tell him one thing that you understand deeply now that he had no clue on back then, what would that be? Well, listen, I, I get the chill at the moment, to be honest, like, because uh, to do what I did, like to leave the country in the shape and to live a life in which, you know, I was so unprepared to this new adventure, I had 100% sure I was going to make it. You know, otherwise you don't do that. Otherwise you, you, you don't do this kind of like bold move. You have to think about this, you know, I came to the United States with, I didn't even was, I wasn't even speaking English, like, you know, and I didn't come into the United States with a perfect knowledge of art. No, absolutely not. I came here to invent a life. And I was very determined to become an artist because that was my call, like, you know. And when I was in Italy, for a sort of family dynamic, I was impossible to me to do any art. So when I came here, I have no choice. I had to make it, you know. And I was convinced uh, I would figure it out a way, like, you know. So I don't know, maybe for you, some silly, but, uh, you know, I was not 16 years old. I was 25. I was already, I was very mature, I have to say. I have to say, you know, I was very mature for the age, you know. Uh, from 18 to 25, I worked in my father's shop. It was very influential to me. I learned a lot of things that, even in a different profession, that were tremendously helpful in a field that is so different. But at the end, like, you know, you know, an artist become mature when you know, hopefully you become a mature man, you know, and, and probably that helped me. One of my very favorite parts of this interview was when he talked about how he had these unconventional ideas with pairing painting and drawing and video and sculpture all together, and it was rejected. And it was years and years later before it was picked up, and now that's what he's known for. And I just want us to keep that in mind that a lot of times when you are thinking ahead and being innovative in your own industry, people are not going to like it at first, but that does not mean that it's something that you should abandon. I hope this episode encouraged you to develop your own patience, whether you consider yourself an artist or not. Again, connect with Frederico over on Instagram, tag him, share this interview in your stories at Federico Solmi. And hey, if you need any additional support in your unconventional journey, head over to Facebook and type in Unconventional Leaders. We have a really cool community over there and would love to have you a part. All right, y'all, I'll see you in our next episode. <laughs>